Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with a live episode of Stock Talk with Dan the Man, Dan Hogue. We've been looking for this for a uh, quite a long time, Corey. First live episode here at the Sunglow stage. And episode number 20. Episode number 20. Officially. We've made it 20 episodes. So uh, we're going to do some housekeeping items. Our sponsor for the exposition exclusively is Lean Value Sires. And they're doing a cool deal. If you want to get some semen, use promo code stock talk to get 15 percent off your next dose so that's a pretty cool Uh, deal there got to be done before august 1st august 1st is the cutoff time and of course our friends walton webcasting of course we wouldn't be here well we would be but we would be this legit yeah with headphones and everything uh and being videoed so uh the graphics everything we've got the faces for radio and i don't have the body for tv so it's kind of like this is it wasn't supposed to happen this way, but it is, so yeah, it's yeah, okay. It's all right. We can hide behind a microphone a lot better than a camera. Yeah, yeah, we can. Um, so I guess for those that don't know who Dan Hogue is, which I'm assuming everybody within a 50-mile radius of where we're at right now knows, and probably even further than that, uh, but Dan, we want to introduce you and have you just give us a brief background of who Dan Hogue is, and we're going pre-BHE Dan Hogue. Understand. Okay. okay. Now, you use the word brief, Corey. <laughs> now, that this doesn't exist first... in my vocabulary, but we're going to try it. It'll <laughs> be the first time I say it. Uh, once again, uh, I have a very, uh, very, really humble uh, rural background, uh, raised in, born and raised in Walnut, Illinois, and my father uh, was a uh, very significant, very aggressive Duroc breeder, but on a small scale. And uh, not only did he raise Duroc hogs, but Hereford... Uh, Hereford cattle, and uh, he loved red li- red livestock. I le- I figured that out later because it was before my time, but also had some really good Belgian horses. And so, between Belgian horses, Hereford cattle, and Duroc hogs, um, that that is my th- those are my roots. And you know, I, I'm really big on genetic imprinting. I'm big on genetics and interaction between genetics and environment in the classroom. And you know, people have often asked me, why in the world did you follow this gentleman around? Because he was uh, older when, when I, I was born. And once again, uh, I don't know why, but uh, I was smart enough, or let's put it this way, someone led me. And uh, there was hardly a, a step that he would take that I wasn't his shadow. <laughs> and uh, he was a, a very excellent uh, Duroc breeder, uh, known for his Duroc uh, females, uh, set more records in terms of just uh, consecutive wins at the Illinois State Fair. Probably uh, that will never, with, with the fact that we don't show older hogs again uh, as anymore and once again. But uh, uh, he was a leader in the Duroc Swine Registry, and, and uh, at that time, and he served as treasurer, I want to say, for 15 years. And probably the memory that, and that's when the office was in Peoria, Illinois. And what I remember most is that uh, at, at night uh, he would be up, uh, 10 o'clock to 2 in the morning signing checks for the Duroc uh, registry payroll. And, and that w- was always uh, something that really stuck in my mind. His dedication to purebred livestock and to the livestock industry, uh, you know, to me it was just dad at the time. But then later I realized uh, how absolutely committed he was to purebred livestock and the livestock industry. And and uh, from that standpoint, uh, I would only say this. Uh, there wasn't a time that he would return from judging a hog show. And in those days, uh, they had a, a lot of type discussions or type uh, panels at, at a show in the show ring. They're very popular. And Dad was on many of those over the years. And he judged a number of uh, major Duroc shows. I, hate, I don't even remember how many years he was on, on the Duroc board. But when he would come home, and he always, always after we had eaten in the evening, He'd always come to his, his uh, chair in the living room there, and, and uh, he always smoked a pipe uh, in the house, and he was reading the Drover's Journal, and I would jump on his lap, and I, I would just bounce up and down until he told me about every pig in the show, who had it, what was good about, about them, uh, you know, and, and where do we go from here. Uh, so I'm not really certain uh, there would I would go with him to hog sales when I was in elementary school, and um, I would sleep on his lap on, on the way home, and uh, we you know, wouldn't get home till maybe 1 o'clock in the morning uh, and go to school the next day. But uh, for some reason, 
I, I had this passion that uh, uh, my interest in the livestock industry. And through 4-H, I wasn't an FFA but, but one year, but through 4-H and then uh, just that progression as one who's interested in the livestock industry. And it's kind of interesting. I, I was never a really good livestock judge in 4-H. And maybe some would say I'm not a real good livestock judge today. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, I tried so hard and maybe too hard at times. And uh, I tell our students in the classroom so many times that, you know, uh, it's, it's what's in your heart. It's about 90% what's in here, about 10% up here. Sometimes it determines whether you're going to be successful or not. And so through all of that, was fortunate to go to the University of Illinois. Uh, all four of my uh, my first uh, four year, years of school, and um, was a, a member of Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity, and uh, that played a significant role in my future as well as just the network that I developed and and uh, the the young men and young women that I, I met there. But uh, on the judging team, I was on the Meach judging team. The the uh, a livestock judging team, and then stayed on and, and uh, received uh, my master's uh, uh, at the University of Illinois in swine nutrition. And from that point on, uh, you know, uh, it was kind of interesting. There was a gentleman on staff there. He was getting ready. He was coach of the Illinois 4-H livestock judging team, and he is a legendary, uh, nationally prominent. Uh, 4-H judging coach from Illinois. His name was Mel Fink, the late Mel Fink. In fact, they give an award for him. And, uh, and uh, we lost him so early in his life uh, due to cancer. But uh, Fink Durox was kind of a mainstay there at Beeson, Illinois. And he was an outgrowth of that family operation. And once again, uh, we were riding in a truck one day. And he said, uh, Dan, have you?" we were on our way to a workout. He said, have you ever considered education or the extension? Uh, business. And I said, no, not really. Uh, I'd been interviewing, uh, you know, with uh, several nutrition companies. And I said, you know, I might give it a thought. And so he uh, was instrumental then in directing me uh, to the University of Illinois Cooperative Extension Service. And that found my way to uh, Henry County, Illinois, Cambridge, and uh, was with the Extension Service as a specialized livestock advisor and as well as the 4-H livestock judging coach. And and uh, we were pretty aggressive, and we had a lot of success uh, for a couple of years there. And then uh, during those first two years, I, I was out of the University of Illinois. Uh, I taught a nutrition class at the very new Blackhawk College East Campus in Kiwan in the National Guard Armory. And, and, uh, and then in 1970, they expanded, uh, as you folks, you two know so well, and this group here in the front row uh, to south of Kiwan, Illinois, and built four interim buildings. And they asked me if I would be interested in interviewing uh, for the position there. And, and uh, I said yes, and uh, been there. I just completed my 49th year of teaching and, and coaching at Blackhawk College East Campus. And what's funny is, and I, I tell students this all the, all the time, you know, you never want to give up because uh, little did I realize about I don't know how many years after I was uh, hired, uh, they said, uh, someone told me, they said, Dan, you realize you weren't the first choice. <laughs> and, and, Do you know who the first choice was? <laughs> yeah, yes, I, he was a very prominent egg teacher in the area, but he wanted too much money. And so they hired this young upstart. And that's the best thing that ever happened to Dan Hogue was that uh, I, I was willing to, to start for the money that they were paying. And uh, the journey for the past 49 years and uh, the students that we've had the opportunity to work with and what they have become, um, absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, uh, just what so many of you are, you and have, have done. And um, so we're so passionate about the livestock industry as a program. And, uh, you know, as you folks know, uh, I mean, we cover the species very, very well. Uh, and. You know, our, our family, Katie and, and Mark uh, and the three children, I mean, they are showing uh, three. I'm trying to get them to show some goats next year. <laughs> I think Nora Grace needs some goats to show. And, and, <laughs> we just shot a look. I yeah. don't know about that. <laughs> She's not sure about that. But anyway, um, you know, and so that's what brought brings us to, to today. Um, love the classroom. Um, love uh, just interacting and working with students and, uh, and that. So, Dan, to backpedal before we move into our, our first segment of the day, did you get the blueprint for the A-frame huts 
that you fair hogs in from your dad? You know what's interesting? That's odd you should say that. <laughs> Any, anybody in the crowd that has yeah, been to the Walnut Ranch knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, we were just ta- I, I just told Brandon Yanis over lunch that the white shed at the farm needs painting again if he, ha- <laughs> if he has time. Uh, and and the, the students who have worked there over the years, um, well, the extension office was in the county seat of Henry County, which is Cambridge, Illinois. And Henry County at one time was the pork producing capital of the world. Mm-hmm. 585,000 head of hogs produced annually, primarily all in outside fair to finish operations. And so they are the originators of the, not necessarily the A-frame, modified A's. Yeah. Oh. And, and modified A-frame hog houses. And yes, Brandon asked me at lunch, we still use them today to farrow in. Oh, I, I remember trying to scoop out the fronts of those <laughs> and uh, hitting about a two by four every four inches. <laughs> And you, you couldn't get it out there. But that, that was the experience that uh, I will never forget. So, you know, we, we don't hold the, the patent on it. But, uh, boy, I, I watched. I went to that lumber yard and watched them build those modified days all the time. And so I'm very familiar with them. That's awesome. How many do you have at the place? Modified days? Yeah. Six in the back row, five in the front row, and some two spares. Two spares. Because last year, I have to tell you, last year... Um, uh, we had a Duroc guilt that, uh, that um, we, had, we had raised at the farm of Walnut and she had ferret, or the, the mother uh, had ferret in back row six. And after she was champion Duroc guilt here, uh, here I just walked walk by some folks that, that know us pretty well. And I said, back row six. <laughs> That's where she awesome. was ferret. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> All well, right. Yeah, we'll slip right into a, a segment here called Topics from a Hat, and we have some incredible people that work for us. But while they come up to the stage, uh, Mark and Jenna Stanley, uh, they are uh, monumental in sponsoring this segment we call Topics from a Hat. So this is the jingle we play for every time. Topics from a Hat. No, the only hat we use, Corey, is from Fierce Threads. You're not wrong. And as a matter of fact, for this special edition live episode, uh, unfortunately, those of you that are listening uh, on Wednesday, today, I guess, is Tuesday, but we're we broadcasting this uh, on a regular schedule, they won't have the opportunity to win this hat uh, in a giveaway. So we've got I don't know, Trevor, probably 50. Yeah, a lot of topics. Topic submissions here just over the course of the... And those of you who didn't get a chance, we've got plenty out there floating around. So, uh, we'll be doing a lot of interviews later this week. But, uh, guys, thanks for coming. Uh, we, this is a, a great opportunity for both of us. So if you wouldn't mind, I'll give you the headset, and, and you can say what needs to be said. Okay, first of all, we want to we thank you guys and congratulate you guys. I, uh, we're very happy to be a part. I guess we... Basically ended up starting with you guys on about episode eight, yep. I believe. And, and uh, you know, I'm being a little older generation. I didn't really know what a podcast was, yeah. to be real honest. And some of the younger guys told me, and, and I've made some phone calls. And, and Jenna and I talked about it for a long time. And we decided, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and, 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 and like to sponsor with you guys. And uh, uh, I think yesterday you all told me you had thirty or 35,000 people now. And uh, yeah. it's been, we can tell on our end that it, it's definitely helped uh, us. And, and uh, we really enjoyed working with you all. And congratulations to you guys for for what you've done. You know, Jenna and I, we, we own, own Fierce Threads. And uh, we're very fortunate to work with, uh, you know, I've been involved in this. Uh, my mother took me the first Houston stock show at six months of age in a, in a carriage. And uh, um, probably a big carriage if I was guessing <laughs> Uh, and so I've been involved in this for for 50 years. You know, my dad did it, his dad did it, and uh, uh, it's it's an it's an honor to be able to work with people in this particular industry. And and uh, you know, if I, if I ever thought that I would actually get to talk with up here on the same stage with uh, uh, Dan Hogue, and and uh, of course I would sure thought I'd be talking about pigs instead of apparel. But uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm definitely glad to. Uh, you know, it's just mesmerizing to sit here and listen to him talk. And uh, I showed to him. And, and my kids have showed to him, and I have nothing but respect for him. In other words, Dan, you're old. No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I did not mean that. But uh, definitely, yes, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, they, they're and, and Mark, too, it's just mesmerizing to hear him on the mic and any time they talk. And, and, you know, I think y'all's job sometimes pretty tough, but today I think y'all can just let him go so, yeah. uh, and just listen. And it's, it's great to, to, to be up here with you, Dan. But, uh, um, you know, we started Fierce Threads in 2011, and it was yep. just going to be kind of a little part-time deal that we started. And uh, we are, you know, very tickled now. We we basically shipped to 
uh, every state in, in the United States and, and, you know, sometimes weekly, and we're very happy to be able to do that. Uh, Jenna's very inspirational uh, uh, to, as far as putting, uh, you know, good on-the-edge products out to people, and, uh, and it's, it's very time-consuming. We go across the nation all the time to different places to find new apparel, new caps, new things that everybody would like to see. And, and it, it's, we're all kind of a small family. So it's hard to get everybody something mm -hmm. different, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we work very hard from that uh, angle to try to do that the best that we can. But, uh, you know, we're here to do the, uh, the, you know, the custom apparel for people. We have a booth over here in the cattle barn. Uh, we're on online, um, Fierce Threads. New website. New website, uh, Fierce Threads. Fierce-Threads. Threads. You can tell how much <laughs> I can. But, uh, we're, you know, we have a website, and, and we're just tickled to be able to work with the people in this particular industry. So Yeah. So, Mark, we've been talking now for probably the last few weeks. Of, you guys have a huge announcement. You weren't going to break the news until we got here to the exposition. And I, I, I don't know the background, but I did call it two weeks ago on the you podcast. Did. I did. said, I yeah. think they've got a new apparel line coming out. So, Jenna, I think we'll pass the mic to you, and you tell us about uh, this big announcement that you guys have. Mark's the back. Well, you tell the background. Okay, I'll, 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 and I'll, I'll say why. I'll, I'll do the talking, and then she'll tell me everything I did wrong here. There you go. <laughs> next 20 minutes or so. But anyway, uh, we did. Um, it, this is actually something Jen and I, we, I'm very fortunate that through stock shows that we get to spend a lot of time together, running up and down the roads and showing with our daughter, and uh, and, uh, and we talk about stuff that we wanted to do. And, and everybody knows who he had. And uh, it come in the rodeo industry, and it was basically, uh, I'm not a rodeo guy, but two, two wraps and a hooey. Yeah. So that's where the hooey hat basically come from. So we'd been talking for, this has actually been going on for a year, year and a half, some type of livestock brand that we could bring to the livestock people that yet would still be specific and, and would mean something to people. And, and uh, of course, Dan can tell you, Mark can tell you, Jay, everybody that's out here can definitely tell you that uh, all livestock, not just the, the pigs, but all livestock needs to start with a good foundation. And, and uh, big feet is something that uh, I've, I've heard a lot of judges talk about big feet and, and bone and how that correlates. And so we come up with the idea of big paw. Because I heard some judges say, Mark's right there, I've heard him say it before, you know, this thing, this creature just has big old paws. And so we come up with a lifestyle brand called Big Paw, and uh, it's some very on-the-edge uh, uh, apparel that people would like. And we felt like that uh, the lifestyle people would understand it, uh, the lifestyle people would probably want to wear it. And, and so we're very excited to have that particular line. And, and hopefully it, it will, you know, we're going to go to all species is, is the plan, but we introduced basically the pig one here. And... Uh, Again, uh, Jen has been the most inspiration behind the deal, and, and it's been it's been very good for us. We've we've really enjoyed it. We we like doing it, and, and again, we appreciate y'all uh, the way y'all brought it up on social media and, and through your podcast, and it's it's been very enjoyable for us. I'll tell you what, everything that I've seen so far, and I know I haven't even seen it all. I got to walk by the booth and check it all out, but I've just seen people walking by with apparel, and it looks slick. So it's, I'm. It's been a big hit. We've, we're you know you're. You're a little nervous, Nelly, when you start something new. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure everybody has. And we were a little nervous, and uh, uh, we've actually got here on Thursday and started setting up our booth and things. And, of course, we've uh, the other morning at 1.30, the, the phone's still going off. We're trying to go live with the web, and, and you know, and I'm like, uh, oh, you know, I hope this works. But it's been very good for us, and, and I, I think a lot of people have, have, have liked it. And, uh, actually, we brought a couple of uh, caps for y'all guys. We're going to give you when we're done. And, and uh, uh, Dan, you can see Jay's hat out there. If you want to stop by the booth here in a bit, we took some vintage signs of the old Hampshire and the Yorkshire and the, uh, the Deer Ox, and we put those on some caps. And if you'd like to come by and get one of them, you're you're more than welcome. I appreciate we'd, that. We'd love for you to come by and do that. And uh, they won't cost you five hundred dollars. We will not. We know not charge. I would not charge Dan Hogue. I promise you that. So, <laughs> but yeah, we got a couple of caps that we brought you guys, and then we're we're very uh, again our relationship with y'all and being part of the stock talk family has really been beyond our expectations and. And we really appreciate the opportunity to work with you guys and, and grow with you. I hope it lasts for, for many years. Really Absolutely. Do. Well, so. we, we made it this far, so we're okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm tickled. Uh, I, I really am. I'm, I'm, we're, we're glad to be a part. We appreciate Great. It. Yeah, we uh, let's give a round of applause for uh, Mark and Jenna. Excellent job with their apparel line, and that's some slick stuff. I'm, uh, I'll throw that on. I mean, I hate to take off the stock talk gear that they made, but uh, Corey, let's draw some topics from Ooh. this fierce thread hat. Man, all right. So Dan, um, most of these are for you, um, and I, I think some are very walnut specific. <laughs> 
and Blackhawk specific. So, um, but and we may filter through some of these because we have we can, so many. Yes. But um, we are so interested to see what some of the response is going to be because I did read through some of these and They're they are good. They are good. So let's just do this here. A little shuffle play, and Dan will let you. Well, well maybe Trevor, you do I'll it. I'll do way. it. It's all right. Yeah, we'll see. see. What we get. Oh, County for Chronicles. The, oh. The best or maybe the most ridiculous maybe county fair story that you have judging at the county fair? Oh, my. <laughs> ridiculous. Um, no, nothing has ever been ridiculous. And I, I mean that uh, so, uh, so sincerely. Um, you know, and, and the, the fact that uh, we have a young audience here as well as uh, we have, you know, seniors in, in here. Um, not, you know, it is just amazing as you think back over the years. Um, the most symbolic rather than ridiculous, and that I just will not use that word if you don't mind whoever wrote it. But uh, uh, when, when uh, as many of you know, uh, our, our older daughter Kathy is autistic and uh, and uh, and so when I have seen over the years those youth come and, and uh, I will never forget um, I will never forget uh, Conroe, Texas, Montgomery County. A uh, young man came in. A young man came in the ring that uh, uh, had been a surviving burn victim from a house uh, LP explosion, and, and they had a driving utensil. Uh, a actually, you know, fastened to his, his arm. Uh, he had no ears, uh, uh, severe, uh, you know, just malformation. And uh, I'll never forget it And as uh, long as I live. And, uh, and he was fourth in class, and I wanted so badly to him be, have one that could win the class, and it wasn't. And I simply, you know, said to the audience uh, when we got to the pen in fourth, and I said, now the young man coming out of fourth, you realize, ladies and gentlemen, he is the winner in this class. And uh, they gave him a standing ovation. And that was probably, you know, one of the, you know, uh, ridiculous, funny, you know, yes, uh, you know, young people being, being uh, you know, uh, run, run underneath by a pig and, you know, and, and falling, uh, that, you know, that happens. Um, but nothing was ridiculous. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I've just been to so many uh, shows, you know, almost county, to, you know, border to border and, you know, and uh, coast to coast and nothing ridiculous. Great question, but I, and I hope you don't mind me changing it uh, to a real positive. Uh, uh, there's just those experiences you never forget. Oh, absolutely. If it was just a, a normal show, you wouldn't remember it. No. You know, but, uh, <laughs> no. but that, that's, I've, you know, I've had the fortune of, uh, you know, there's showmen in wheelchairs. That they, there's no boundaries. You, if no. you want to do it, you can get it done. You, like you said, it's all about what's in here. It doesn't have to worry about uh, what's upstairs. So uh, we'll just do a couple of these, and I think actually this one will segue pretty good into the next topic we want to talk about. But uh, Pat from Texas wants to know what your thoughts are with Matrix and maybe progressive breeding and, and how you use it. Interesting. When it's time to breed sows, I call Dr. Mark Hogue. It's, <laughs> it's, it's simple. I say, Mark, what do I do? Um, you know, and, and again, I'm of that generation. And to the, all of the, the young people uh, with regard to, to Matrix, uh, we use it. I think it's pretty expensive, but we use it. Yeah. Um, really works. Uh, really, really works. My long, and, uh, you know, we, we, I would endorse it to anyone. Um, I think the question was, Trevor, long term? Yeah, how do you use it long term? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, are they meaning using it on open guilt you're going to show? I'll let you take it the way you want it to go. <laughs> it says matrix and progressive breeding. Progressive breeding. I like that. Well, I'm old enough now. I can say this, that my, you know, uh, how many times I've gone in the house, uh, you know, over the years and told Deanna, uh, who basically, as many people know, is the cornerstone of what happens at Walnut. And, uh, and I, I've, I've just said to her, you know, Deanna, Mother Nature just won again today. And uh, Mother Nature might, uh, th she will always be there, for lack of a better referencing point here. And, you know, how long can we manipulate the normal estrous cycle in any species of livestock 
and not have some natural inhi inhibiting, uh, you know, reaction to it over time. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because we can't live without it. We can't live without it because it works and it just condenses everything so efficiently and particularly like at, a, like at the farm at Walnut with the modified day hog houses. Uh, great question. I don't have the answer to, to that. And uh, I am a little, you know, I'm a little concerned uh, about uh, longevity of reproduction in our show pig females today. And I wonder sometimes if it has a reflection of uh, the long-term use of matrix to suppress the heat cycle during the show season. Absolutely. I. Time will tell. Time will tell. All right. I think this is going to be the last topic, and yep. and I enjoy comedy a lot, and I think that this could be an interesting answer. Um, so we've we've got a submission from uh, your home state of Illinois. What is the ranchiest thing that has happened at Walnut that you can publicly discuss? <laughs> ranchiest thing. Oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> may Maybe it just happened. Uh, uh, maybe it just might have happened this past winter. Uh, you know, we have the modified hog houses, and we have some old, old Bainbridge sow coops, and and uh, these purebred Yorkshire gilts we put in there had grown out quite well, and maybe just a little too big for the Bain, Bainbridge uh, sow coop house. And uh, uh, we put five Yorkshire first little Yorkshire gilts in, in there, and the next thing. Uh, we, we go about doing something else, and we turn around uh, uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half later, and there's this uh, Yorkshire bread gilt uh, walking out of, out in the, the barnyard there, and we couldn't for the life of us figure out why, and she just simply turned around in the house. The house is old enough that uh, the side came out of it, and uh, she got out of the house. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, and that is life in the trenches, as we say, uh, from a, a ranchy thing. You know, there are lots of just uh, interesting things. Uh, uh, I hope people don't mind this. Uh, I, uh, one of the funniest things is, and, and uh, it was uh, uh, young, young Sminky, uh, when, when he was at Blackhawk, uh, we were castrating some older, older pigs. Now, this is ranchy, you know, castrating some <laughs> little bigger pigs that probably they, they should have been. And um, and he, he said, you know, rather than hold the, them up in the corner, you know, one per, one student on a leg, why don't we just run them in a, in a 70-gallon barrel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and so we ran this this pig in a 70-gallon barrel, tipped the barrel, the barrel up, uh, and uh, there were two hind legs sticking out, and our surgery was right in front of us. You know, and the surgery site right in front of us, and and so now the deal is they want students want to see it done every year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and so you know that gets a little ranchy, but uh, you know we've uh, just done all of those kinds of things. Uh, you know, a necessity is is really the you know the the, the virtue of outcome, and um, you know we just have to get it done. So, do we still have the golf cart that you troll around in? Uh, no, well, yes, there's a golf cart on the farm, but uh, basically now we've moved up to a Kawasaki mule. So wow. we have elevated, we have elevated to a Kawasaki mule. Life um, is good at but, but I can tell all of you that are former students, well, um, you know, I, I still don't drive the, the, uh, the, tra the tractor loader. Uh, we have four wheelbarrows, we have uh, eight scoop shovels, <laughs> and we use them a lot. There we go. You know, it really, we really do. How fast does that mule go? Have you tried it out yet? No, I haven't tried it out, no. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, that's Topics from a Hat. Once again, super thankful for our friends at Fierce Threads and all they do for us uh, here on the podcast. So uh, moving along, I think one of, the, one of the biggest pieces of discussion, I know when Trevor and I uh, were like, man, I, the perfect person for this live episode is Dan Hogue. Um, and it's mostly because we want a livestock history lesson. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the changes through the years, the, the you know, trucking uh, carloads and, and truckloads up to Chicago by rail. Uh, those kinds of things are so interesting to us because uh, as Mark, uh, we talked with him the other day and, uh, you know, he said what we all, I think, feel so much is you never know where you're going unless you realize where you've been. And so uh, just give us some perspective on where we started and, 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 you know, obviously now we've got these, you know, $100,000 rigs where we're hauling the shows anymore. So, uh, you know, where have we been, Dan? Oh, my. We go back so many years, or, or I do. I can remember my father in, in, a, in a stock rack old pickup truck 
taking hogs, uh, uh, basically he would put them in the, the, the crate uh, at the farm and then they would slide the crate out uh, at the train depot in Walnut and uh, they would go in many different parts of the country uh, by, by freight train and rail. And those were some of the early uh, you know, methods of transportation. When we, when we talk, Corey, about the history, um, what is most meaningful to me is, and, and uh, most people aren't as, aren't as old as I am anymore, but I was born in 44, and, and so, you know, just coming out of the war years, hogs were extremely, hogs were extremely fat. And uh, I, can remember, I can remember the first time that my father uh, and, and a feed representative, it was called Fasco Feed in those days, we, we went out in, in a dirt lot, got a boar pig up in the corner, uh, snared him by his nose with, with a rope, and, uh, and the, the gentleman said, Elmer, get your pocket knife out. They put a hole in his back. And that was the first, uh, and I was probably eight, nine years old, and that was the first time that, that I can ever remember, or I, I saw them actually measure fat depth on a pig to determine its, its, its value. Uh, you know, Jay Winters is sitting back, back here, and he and I go back so many years, and his father, you know, could relate to all, all of this. Uh, my dad was on a committee that met in a hotel in Chicago, Illinois, right after the World War II, and they decided, you know, we've got to do something to make leaner hogs because they were one of the great uh, trading uh, verses that my dad uh, had. He advertised the boar that he was thick when he was thin, meaning that he had a lot of fat on him. <laughs> you know, and, and once again, uh, you, you just, you had, you had to have been there. And uh, I remember uh, taking these, uh, a littermate barra, a littermate gilt uh, to a, a local locker facility in Sublette, Illinois, and trying to certify. You had to have five certified litters to have a certified meat sire. And your generation today, and now I sound, sound like I'm in the classroom. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, you know, the generation today doesn't realize what, what the past has done to get us where we are t today. And one of those is, I'll never forget the first certified meat sire uh, that, that Dad actually had, which took five litters, all had to meet certification requirements, uh, and then turned those into the, at that time, the Deer Rock Association in Peoria, Illinois. And, you know, and that, that's, you know, through the 50s, that is where, where we were, just trying to make hogs leaner. They made the, they, they this committee, uh, Dad re represented the, the purebred sector. We had a university. We had there was an industry, you know, and they made and they decided they made the decisions how to what kind of criteria we needed to improve the carcass quality of hogs in America, and uh, they they made the observation at the time that if hogs were longer, they should be leaner, and if they're leaner, they would be more valuable. And, and so now, as we all know, carcass length is not a part of any value equation in the pork industry. But at that time, those people just made the assumption that longer, later maturing hogs may, in fact, be leaner over time. And so, so that per progressed. I was at the University of Illinois in the 60s. And uh, in the 60s, we, uh, we had, uh, uh, you know, a revolution. Uh, from the 50s of trying to get hogs, then we got them really lean and really shapely. And then, of course, in the 60s, we dealt with the stress gene. And uh, and uh, I will always remember uh, Jim McCoy. I, I'm, I'm sure he's here. He was he was our very first guest, Dan. So well, if any of you are are walking around the barns at this show, and you want to you want to thank the gentleman who has made it so you can be here today. Thank Jim McCoy and shake his hand because I was on the committee, but I lost my temper. <laughs> we, we heard that. <laughs> yeah, he didn't I, name I, any names, though. Yeah, I was on the committee, uh, and we met in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, they wanted to have market hogs be negative uh, for stress. And, and I, I didn't realize what was coming down, but uh, Jim, you know, just the stable leader that, that he is, said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just wish that you would give us time and we're going to learn how to manage the stress gene in the pork industry. And to this day, 
uh, we have managed the stress gene in the pork industry. I can't comment on the commercial sector uh, because it's so inclusive in, in their, their own entities anymore. But the, in terms of the show pig and the purebred uh, you know, swine industry, uh, my opinion is we have really managed the stress gene. Mm -hmm. Do we still have it? Yes. But that was so paramount in the 60s. And so what did we do then? If you want to know the history lesson, Corey, it takes 10 years. And so I'm why do you think I'm, I'm here at the 2019 World Exposition? Exposition. I do it too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what do you think I'm here? I want to know what's going to happen 2020 and beyond. And we're going to, and we're going to learn. And it's going to change. It has every 10 years. It, so now the 70s. How are we going to get away from these really stress-prone, tight-wound, uh, re refined hogs that had no grow? We're going to make them big and lean and tall. That was the 70s. We got them so big and lean and flat-sided that sows couldn't even get up in farrowing crates. Hmm. How am I doing, Mark? Pretty good? <laughs> you know, sows couldn't get up, up in farrowing crates, and, and they were so non-productive, and baby pigs couldn't get to the underlying sections, and so that. So then we go to the 80s, and... and, and so that wasn't working, and uh, there was a gentleman in Texas by the name of C.D. Smith, and, and he had a strain of, of Yorkshire hogs that were the most moderate, unbelievably wide, heavy-boned, stout pigs that the industry had ever seen. And so in the 80s, we made them really moderate. Notice I never used the word small. <laughs> 80s, really, really moderate, uh, almost non-functional, uh, really predisposed to fat deposition at an early stage in their development. And so we realized that those hogs weren't being accountable enough, not only from a carcass composition standpoint, but, you know, we tell the stories because AI wasn't part of our industry like it is today. And some many, many, you know, five, six, seven, eight-month-old boars didn't have a tall enough front end or a long, long enough neck to even mount a gild, a gild and for sure a sow. And so they didn't work in the 80s. So then we go to the 90s, you know, and the 90s. So then we make them, and we had some much bigger scaled hogs that were extremely lean. And, and I, I mean, I'm not going to mention, you know, the, the names, but boy, Dave Kilmer in Indiana really put a great set of belted crossbreds together, boars that we had used, sons of, and used, used that. And that was in the 90s. And, and then, you know, and, you know, we, we never leave well enough alone. Do you realize that? Because uh, now to digress just a minute, uh, uh, I, three years ago now, I, did what judge, I was a supreme heifer judge at the American Royal, and I, I said to the, to the exhibitors and to those in the stands, I said, you know, my generation, my generation has made more mistakes in the cattle industry than you folks can ever begin to imagine. And, and I said, the cattle that we have today, the hogs that we, are, we have today, are the best that we have ever had. But I said in the microphone, and I'll say it to you folks who are going to be listening today, watch you mess it up. <laughs> Human nature is never to leave well enough alone. We never have. Now we get to Jack Rodeball, the late Jack Rodeball, one of the greatest uh, swine breeders, in my opinion, uh, that, that I've ever met. And, and here's what he said. Southeastern Chester White Type Conference, uh, a young Dan Hogue, pretty smart then, you know, a much younger Dan Hogue had all the answers, judged the Chester White show there. Uh, as luck would have it for Dan Hogue, Jack Rodeball and Sons had reserved Chester boar. Uh, and he was, a, he was kind of a changer boar. Uh, I used a, a really safe boar for champion Chester boar. That particular show, I went back to the barn because we stayed the next day. And I, I had the mistake. It wasn't a mistake, but it's kind of funny. I, I went up to Jack Rodeball, and the first thing he said to me was, uh, Dan, tell me about the champion boar. And the students have heard this in the classroom before. I said, he's a good, safe, middle-of-the-road Chester boar. He said, I'm going to tell you something about in the middle of the road. There's only thing in the middle of the road if you're going to breed livestock are dead skunks and white lions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and enough said, but what a point he made other point he made and listened and i think this is uh, mark was a very young young uh, teenager 
we drive a pick, open rack pickup truck to Rensselaer, Indiana. We jump out. Jack Rodeball was expecting us. He said, what, what can, how can I help you boys today? And, and uh, I said, we want to buy a barrel bore. That's the last time I ever used the word barrel bore. I never used the word steer bull because it's like profanity. And barrel bores are like profanity. And he said, no. He said, you and your son don't want to buy a barrel bore today. You want to buy a Hampshire bore that will sire the highest percentage of commercial market, market hogs of quality. And in that group, you will have hogs you can show. Most profound statement I have ever heard. You think about it. Uh, and, and, you know, and so once again, you know, we're in the 2000s and we're about to, you know, we're, you know and, and 2000 to, to 2009 and 2010, you know, I, I liked our hogs. They, they probably needed a nickel more bone and skeleton, you know, but, but once again, um, you know, they weren't accountably maybe lean enough at times. And, and so then we get to 2010 and beyond. And as you folks know now, you know, uh, and, and again, uh, someone has often asked me, uh, Corey, you know, who makes the changes? Uh, it's you folks that are out here either listening or you folks that are here uh, at the exposition uh, be, because, you know, now they've got to be chisel fronted. They've got to run uphill. They've got, you know, they've got to have that look. And my, my question is, last night we had a Henry Stark uh, County 4-H uh, livestock judging practice and we were getting ready for the state contest next Monday in Champaign. And so I, I, I asked him, I asked some of the older 4-H members, I said, how important is length of neck in breeding cattle and hogs? We have the same number, number of cervical vertebrae they had 50 years ago. We haven't changed the number of vertebrae. Uh, we haven't changed, changed the number of spinal processes. Uh, and and I, what I said, we associate it with femininity. Finally, some young man in the audience said, Hogue, no, it's just it looks cool. <laughs> looks cool. Why do they have to run uphill? I guess we all like to be uphill. You know, and, and you know, and and yet, you, you know, and I've heard Mark say it, and we talk about it a lot. You know, and and uh, he's concerned um, about you know shape to rib, and just you know, do we we need to put more shape to the upper part of a hog skeleton? Not worry about the the crease of the ditch, the you know the depth of the crease as much as just the spread, uh, you know, the, the spread and shape to the upper part of the pig skeleton. Um, you know, and and again, uh, you know, it's a uh, you know, it, it's a ne it's a never-ending quest for excellence in breeding livestock, never-ending, and you know, uh, you know, and, and we will never reach that zenith because someone will change it. About the time you think you're there, someone will change it. You know, and then we go back, and that's just human nature. And, and all I know, all I know is this, ladies and gentlemen, and I know I talk too. I am programmed for 50 minutes, you know that, <laughs> I get it. you know, in a lecture. But once again, all I had to do was walk across that street over here to the Sun Globe booth, and I bet I saw 20 youth from across America. Maybe some of them hadn't met one another before, till out there on that street. And when you put youth of America in that street in Des Moines, Iowa. You can call the show whatever you want to call it, but that is what this is really all about, you know. And, and you know who who makes the next call on the history of what a show pig is going to look like? I don't know. Uh, I don't you know, want to be but mean. but they're out there and they're going to make it in 2020s next year. You know, where are we going from here? Because remember what Jack Rodeball told us: you breed like to like, and you will regress. That's exciting to think about, Dan. So anyway, you know, I uh, welcome the Ag 285 introductory, <laughs> introductory animal science at Black Hawk College East Campus. You know, and, and Max Look is back there. You know, and, and he's, and, and, how are you know, and uh, several st former students are, are back here, and uh, you know, and so it's just, uh, you know, the, and here, here's what I do know, ladies and gentlemen. If you, I'm, I'm sure it's in the hat. We're going to pretend it's in the hat. <laughs> sure. We're going to. We gotta do it right. Gotta do it right. And only, and that all begins at home. That's right. Gotta do it right. 
Well, every every Wednesday on our podcast, we have a lot of guests on, but Dan, uh, they got something to chase now. You're you're at the top of, of that topic. We can, so. we can end the episode now, yeah. but we, we've we got won't. some topics we want to cover. We you covered no. a heck of a lot there. <laughs> what is the best one you've ever seen? Any species? Well, we're at, we're at the exposition, so might as well, well have a hog. But. Well, we, we'll leave goats out, but because goats I'm not that familiar with yet, I know one thing. That a young man in Cape Illinois by the name of Dale Hummel is, has designed goats genetically that they never thought they could we could we could design an animal genetically that that he has done uh, a marvelous individual in in doing that. Uh, my sheep expertise is very limited. It's probably been 20 years ago, or may, maybe more. Jay, you will enjoy this. Uh, uh, Judge the market lamb show at the Nebraska State Fair and. Uh, was walking uh, you know, out of the building uh, uh, on the way back to the hotel. And um, I was younger then, maybe it was even 30 years ago, and I met a gentleman probably my age now. And, and he said, yeah, young man, he said, I really enjoyed listening to you on, on the microphone t- today. Uh, and I really enjoyed how you worked with the youth. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. So I thought, this is pretty good. He said, if you continue to judge sheep shows, you will ruin the sheep industry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... <laughs> You know, so my my sheep judging career, you know, short lived. Huh? And I, I said it was wonderful. He was the nicest gentleman. You know, what did I say? But he he was probably right. You know, <laughs> you know. So so then, then we get, um, Houston Steer Show, Houston Steer Show. Remember it like it was yesterday. I want to say two thousand and nine, uh, right in there. Uh, AOBs were the la- AOBs were the last breed. Um, I mean, and you know, it, it was the last breed in the two-day two show. Uh, I had been giving the breed champions a name as I went to the microphone. You know, and I'm not going to bore you with some of the names, but there was a really big-footed, heavy-boned, really square-built steer. I called him four-wheel drive, you know, and four-wheel drive was coming back for the final drive. And anyway, and I'd heard Mark, I'd heard Mark at a, at a show or somewhere use the word bulletproof. And so uh, AOBs, gray baldy steer, uh, there was about six in the class, and I'll never forget seeing him for the first time. I could I could walk you to the pillar that he w- was at, and I, I saw him, and I handled him, and I said, I've never seen one like that as a slick-sheared steer at that particular time. Got to the end of the class. He, he wins his class. I said, ladies and gentlemen, for what it's worth, I said, this steer's name is Bulletproof because there's not one hole in him. And and he was then champion AOB and, and Grand Steer. Un, unbeknownst to me, I guess they, this Houston Stock Show, with the blessing of Texas A&M, had used him as the model steer there in a model of, of him, a pictorial model of him for a number of years. And, and so uh, that, you know, that w- w- was that. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this not because uh, good friend Jack Wall sitting back here, but uh, uh, but great to have you here, Jack. <laughs> and anyway, you know, um, I've, I've been blessed to, to judge uh, uh, far more CPS breeds and the Berkshire breed, uh, you know, and, and the, uh, and, and the uh, uh, than I have the NSR breeds. And so as a result, when you, at, when you talk about what's the best one that you have e- ever seen and uh, – you know, I've judged many, many, uh, you know, market hog shows and uh, and some great individuals. Uh, the breeding hog shows is really those that really leave that lasting impression on me. And, and once again, um, when the Hereford boar walked in the ring at the Illinois State Fairgrounds at the Summer Type Conference uh, three years ago, that was the most unbelievable boar for that breed I have ever seen in my entire life. And I will never forget that. Mark was judging the Berkshires uh, in the neighboring ring. And, and Mark said, Dad, afterwards he said, Dad, thanks a lot for taking all the steam away from me. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, it was, you know, he was only kidding. But, I, I mean, it was one of, those, one of those individuals. The year before that, the, the champion Berkshire Boar, and I, I know the rest of the story. And Adam Beck, you know, back here, the, and, and the, the Winters family produced him. And I said, the champion Berkshire Boar coming out of that youngest class, uh, you know, when they hit you like that, uh, that in, still is, in my mind is one of the very best, uh, you know, hogs of that breed and that's, you know, in the hog industry, you know, that I have ever 
ever come across. Um, I won't bore you with any other details other than, you know, uh, a few of you out here re remember the, you know, the continental breeds coming across uh, the big pond, as we say, in the 70s and 80s and their impact on the, on the cattle industry as we know it to, today. And uh, some of those females of full blood keys of Horsley Brothers uh, and a high expectation, H.B. Uh, Jennifer, uh, they were some of the elite breeding animals of their generation, uh, you know, of their, their time. Uh, Denny Benute, Circle B, Cattle Company, Genesee, Illinois, produced some Semental breeding cattle that, you know, are unique to where we are to, today. And, you know, those of my generation, uh, w you know, when you say, you know, the best. You know, they, uh, there, there's, there's been so many, um, the shorthorn breed, uh, you know, whether it be Kate Shorthorns, you know, whether it be Jim Williams in Texas, you know, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, John Sullivan, what that breed has done and, and what the kind of cattle that they, there's been some females come out of those shows that, uh, you know, I will never forget uh, that. And last but certainly not least, you want to talk about a breeding opportunity um, those of you that have ever been to V8 Ranch or Hudson's Ranch in Texas, you know, the parts of this country don't realize the influence of Boss Indica's cattle in the, in the U.S. beef industry and uh, what those two firms and others like them. But they are the leaders, in my opinion at least, and what they have done for the Brahmin breed of cattle and the composite, uh, you know, Brayford's Brahma, you know, uh, you know Brayford's Brahmazine, Simbras, and the best steer that the, the second best steer that I have ever seen uh, that that I remember for what he represented in a breed. Uh, the year I used the champion Simbras Reserve at San Antonio, uh, that was a landmark decision, uh, and but that was something that had never been done before, and. Uh, you know, and, and once again, um, uh, you know, was he good enough to beat the conventional crosses? You know, obviously on that e evening, I, I thought so. Uh, but he was a great steer. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, just lots of great livestock over the years. Uh, and I, I and my sheep story yeah, it, it is a true story. You know, it really <laughs> is. And so uh, uh, it's okay. Well, with the number of sheep shows I think Mark is getting now. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. He's going to make up for me. <laughs> there, there you go. He'll take over. Oh, man. Well, you know, I have to say, and the one thing that I, that, you know, he's always comparing his champions to wild zoo animals, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, and uh, we've always been, you know, just thinking of something outside the box that we could say, you know, about, you know, uh, you know, about banner hangers or those, you know, uh, those that are going to take a good picture, uh, as we say so many times in the cattle, and I've judged more cattle shows than I actually have have uh, swine shows. And you know, we learned a long time ago, folks. And I asked the students in the classroom not too long ago, or I ask them every year, you know, what percent of the breeding decisions in America do you think are made by picture alone? It would stagger you. How am I doing, Adam Beck? <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyone else say, yeah, Dave Geyer, how are you? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I mean, and so one thing, if you're going to judge, if you're going to judge, just pray they may take a good picture. And the sooner and the faster they picture, that means the more structurally correct they were. Easy to take a picture. And the easier, easier to, to photo, and it all plays. It really does. Uh, well, Corey, uh, we do have another segment. We don't have a sponsor for this segment yet, so uh, <clears throat> anybody who wants to, to jump on that. But, no, uh, we do have another segment if you want to lead into that. Yeah. Uh, this one's called Social Smash, Dan, and I don't know how active you are on Facebook, but I do know Deanna <laughs> yes. is. And so um, there's a lot of Facebook pages out there. There's some Instagram posts and, and whatever. Social media is a vast game that we all play in. So this segment really derived off of, man, what's just some things that really kind of eats at us a little bit, things that we can improve upon, uh, and then things that are funny and that we like and enjoy. But then it's kind of evolved into what things can we do in the industry to help create change uh, and maybe some things that, you know, in the past we maybe laughed at that we used to do. And now that's changed that we've done in the past. So what are, what are some of those things uh, maybe that you laughed at uh, that we used to do? And now we do them so much differently and have improved and, and done things better. 
I don't know if this is exactly what you're thinking of, but, uh, you know, it, it last fall, two years ago, maybe two years ago, um, you know, I handed a card out in the beginnings in the first section of animal science in the fall semester, and it's a blank uh, four-by-six card, and I asked the students to write down um, their perception of the word natural in term, as a consumer. And uh, there were 80-some in the, in the 1 o'clock lecture section. There were 40 in the morning, 9 o'clock lecture section. And it was, it was then that I really realized that uh, the consumer of today, be they young or be, be they more seasoned as a consumer, um, in terms of what we have to do as a livestock industry and a livestock showing public uh, to improve consumer awareness uh, in this country. Um, they, you know, and, and, you know, that, and I could lecture for another segment on, on just that, you know, um, what you, what, what Deanna calls me to the kitchen to show me, you know, Dan, you better read this or Dan, you got to look at this. And, and once again, uh, just not, uh, it's just hard to believe, uh, you know, whether, and I hope, I hope our audience is open-minded, you know, whether it be HSUS or whether it be PETA, um, you know, what, what some of the innuendos that, uh, you know, that are, are coming across social media that so misrepresent not only American animal agriculture, you know, like someone said on, on a post, uh, you know, you know where, was, where was HSUS or where was PETA uh, when the ranchers in Nebraska were mm -hmm. trying to feed their cattle in yeah. the flood? You know, uh, you know, so, you know, those kind of scenarios really as a teacher, hopefully I'm an educator also, not just disseminating information, but, you know, those kind of concerns, uh, you know, uh, you folks may find this a little odd. You know, if you ever would have asked me 49 years ago if I, I would have ever gone to a, a restaurant that, you know, that was advertising a Beyond Beef Burger and order one. I sure did because I wanted to taste what it, I want to know what it tasted like. How was it? I got through it. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I wanted no condiments, you know. I and I and I told the young waitress, and she was a wonderful young lady that I was a high school science teacher, really interested in this. Well, I'm really interested in this, but I'm not a high school science <laughs> teacher, and I want to know what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I ordered no condiments. I got through it, Deanna. You know, ate, ate her, her bacon cheeseburger, you know, and, and a regular bacon cheeseburger. So then I got the idea that I was going to come back to class, and, the, and, and then I did come back to class. Uh, and I wanted the, our youth of today in an introductory animal science class uh, to, to see what a Beyond Burger looked like. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, gave, I handed out some samples and, uh, and just, you know, where we are with the technology and, you know, where we will be, you know, let's say 20 years from now, 50 years from now, I can remember as a teacher that I would talk about 2020, and that was forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My God, it's next year. Yeah, yeah, it's here. You know, now I'm talking 2050. <laughs> I won't be here, but I'm talking 2050, you know. You know, just they, you better know what's going on. And, and we have to be the most aggressive, uh, you know, I can't say all four of them, as Mark knows, I, I forgot them. But, uh, you know, what's going to happen in introductory uh, animal science this fall, August 17th? They're gonna, I'm going to have the students in animal science class define, three, define four words. Transparency, accountability. I know I'm not going to remember, Mark. Uh, accountability, tra transparency, uh, There, there's four of them that, 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 that I, I have. And as a livestock producing public, um, um, one, one is uh, uh, traceability. You realize that if we don't have a choice, but uh, individual animal ID is coming, we don't have a choice. We're going to stay in the world food market. Um, you know, and, and so there's three of the four. And, and I, I mean, and we, we don't have a choice in my opinion as an industry, but to embrace them and understand them uh, because it is part of us. You know, um, we had a speaker come this spring, 
uh, you know, uh, and talk talk about ASF. And I'm not going to use those three words in public here, but you know, ASF, you know, and and, and what's our concern in the United States and. I'm old enough, you know, to have been to understand that, you know, the BSE, you know, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, as well as the, uh, you know, the, the foot and mouth outbreak in the UK. And so, um, you know, the, the world is watching what the United States is going to do uh, to address these. And uh, the greatest thing that we are doing in youth livestock showing, and Mark said he touched on, on it uh, yesterday, and I wasn't able to hear it because I was at the judging practice, but... You, you know, uh, involving young people with livestock or farm animals and, and the animal care, uh, that is the most pressing issue that we need to impress our American consumers on is how we're taking care of animals. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, we're going to talk more in animal science this fall about animal care, animal husbandry, uh, than probably ever before because... The youth of today that come into a program many times aren't as familiar with that as, as we might think that, that, that they are. And, and so from that perspective, uh, once again, uh, you know, we have a huge, huge, you know, uh, avenue ahead of us in terms of how we're going to approach it. Uh, you know, uh, funny things happen. Uh, Deanna shows me some of the funniest, uh, you know, quotes or jokes that, that, that people put on there. Um, you know, but anything, you know, I'm really focusing in my later years of teaching just on on making certain that, uh, you know, we know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Dan, we're going to we always do this with the last question. We're, we're finally reaching the end point here. All right. We do this for every single guest we have on the podcast every Wednesday. And we actually did it last night with the Sun Glow Town Hall. I want to know everybody here wants to know where do you see this show stock industry in five years? Oh, my. Let's talk farther than five years, folks. If, if you do it right, it's here to stay. They told me, I remember the naysayers and the antagonists 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, when they called you a steer jock or when, when they called you a bear jock. And, you know, and we've grown, we've grown beyond the, those years. And they said, you know, these livestock sh youth shows that, that you are so supportive of, Hogue, that they said they're not going to be here 10 years from now. They're going to be here 10 years from now. They're going to be here 20 years from now. And I'll never forget this. And here's the key, ladies and gentlemen. And I know I am sound like I'm lecturing. I guess I am. <laughs> And here's the key. I don't remember his first name, but his last name was in Jopes, uh, Houston Stock Show manager a number of years ago. And, and I'm going to leave you with this quote, uh, be, and, and it is a quote, and I've used it many times. Um, actually, there, there's two quotes I'm going to say. Actually, there's three, <laughs> Trevor. There, there, there's three. You know, uh, and uh, you you made reference to, to one is, and, and one of those is, uh, I'll leave you with the, these thoughts. You know, to, your, to the younger generation, how do you know where you're going unless you know where we have been? Because that is so important, uh, as, as we know, you know, what's coming down the, the pipe. The, the other one that is so meaningful to me is, uh, not the one I'm going to finish on, but the other meaningful is, uh, I remind our students many times, I'll never forget this, it was in March, we had just finished with the Houston Stock Show, and, uh, and I was telling them what we're going to do in late March and in April and May at school, and young man in the, in the auditorium there, it wasn't, wasn't Brandon, <laughs> it wasn't either of you, you but uh, uh, he just said, and he wasn't argumentative, he just said, Hoke, I thought you said we were done after Houston. I said, you're never done, your roles just change. And so for the young people out there in the, in the audience, you know, that when you, you're, you're never done. Uh, your role just changes as you continue to grow and develop and mature and, and, and enter, you know, parenthood, hopefully. Uh, the, the other one is, and I, I guess Abraham Lincoln is supposed to have said it, uh, is you never stand so tall as when you stoop to help a youngster uh, is, uh, is one. But Mr. Jopes, I forget where it was, but he said this. And to those of you at the Expedition Stock Show, and showmanship has been held, the show starts this afternoon, and I would only leave this message with you. Make certain that the hogs that you have here, 
you're using to develop your youth and not using the youth to develop your, your hog program. And that's the difference. And if you focus on that, irrespective of where you place, then this will have been a great expedition show, show the, this year. And so, you know, um, that's what I would say. Got to do it right. Got to have the priorities in line. I love it. Dan, we can't thank you enough for having you here. It's yeah. uh, the first ever live Stock Talk podcast episode has been a really, really good one. I don't know where we go from here, Trev. Uh, all I have to say is uh, for those of you who are in the audience, those of you that are listening now, uh, this is this is not the start, but the beginning of a, a huge transition in what we're going to do. Uh, we've had a ton of success already, I think, just with some of the people that's been on, uh, influencers, people that have uh, great stories to share and tell and, and advice to give. And, and that's the reason we wanted to put, bring this whole thing together, I think, yep, right? Exactly. And for those of you who don't know what's going on, we have a live, or we record an episode and post it every single Wednesday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher currently. Uh, we go all species uh, to cover all topics, and, and we love to hear input. If you guys want to hear topics in the future, uh, we have those business cards. Our booth is in the center of the cattle barn. Uh, just go chat with us. We got a live booth there. We're going to be doing a lot of recording today yet. So this has been the live edition of Stock Talk Podcast. We appreciate you guys from watching. And Dan, thanks, man. You're welcome. Been a pleasure. I gotta go.